to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And it is so good to see each and every one of you in the house today. In verse 7 of chapter 3, in the book of Samuel, uh, we read, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you did call me. Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and, if, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went, and he laid down in his place. Now the Lord came, and he stood, and he called as in other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak for your servant here. Lord, we thank you and we bless you for this time that we have in your word. God, we thank you that you have been hearing and answering our prayers. And now, oh God, may the fire of the Spirit of God be ignited through the Word of God in our very souls that we might say as one, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen, amen. It is so, such an honor to stand before you. And uh, thank you all for the gifts that have been given to me as your pastor, the shepherd of the church, in recognition of uh, Pastor's Appreciation Month. And I've been saying that I'm preparing this church for its next pastor. Amen. 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 And I want the next pastor to have it even better than I've had it. And so um, I will hopefully fight the fights that he will not have to fight. And uh, the good news about our church, there ain't no fighting that we have to fight. So thank the Lord for our great leadership that loves the Lord. And we have a very, very unique church. And I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of what God is doing. Aren't you? Uh, today marks the beginning of a new series of sermons I'm entitling, Silence the Other Voices. Silence the Other Voices. A six-year-old boy named Mason was eager for his first grade photos after recently losing four teeth. However, when the school photographer gave him the okay to remove his face mask before snapping his photo, he respectfully declined. The reason Mason refused was Nicole Peoples. She told him not to. According to Mason's mother, the conversation between him and the photographer went something like this. Photographer, okay, take off your mask. Mason, my mom said keep it on at all times unless I'm eating and far away from everybody else. Photographer, I'm sure it's okay to take it off for your pictures. Mason, no thanks. 
I always listen to my mom. Photographer, okay, stay cheese. When I heard those remarks by this young elementary age uh, kid, I marveled at his obedience. I always do what my mom tells me to do. And it led me to reflect on how we as Christians should respond when we hear the various voices trying to drown out God's voice through his spirit and his living word to cause us to make choices that would not lead us to be obedient to the Lord. Like Mason, our response should always be when we are being pulled to do something that is contrary to Scripture, we should say, I always do what my father says do. Now, in order to drown out the many conflicting voices that seek to control our thoughts and actions, you and I need to learn how to discern the voice of God. You need to learn to personally recognize when you are hearing God speak and when you're not. As we begin our series of messages entitled Silencing the Other Voices, we're going to be talking about the voice of rejection. Silence that voice. We're going to be talking about a lot of voices that drown out what God has said about us and cause us to be hesitant to serve him in boldness and full freedom. Now, listen to the words that are recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, because when we come to this section of the word of God, this is the period that is called the time of the judges. In chapter 17, verse 6, it says, In those days there was no king, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. And so Samuel was born in a time where people were in rebellion to the word of God. In fact, he was the last judge and the first prophet. In verses 9 and 10 of chapter 3, we read, And a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went and to Eli and he said, Here I am, and you called me, you called me. And Eli replied that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. After the third time God called Samuel, the high priest Eli recognized that what Samuel was actually hearing was the voice of God. And we're going to see that even though Samuel was raised in the church, and was practicing religious rituals in the church, in the temple. He did not know 
how to discern, to distinguish the voice of God. I, I want to suggest to you that many of us have heard what other people have said to us about God. But we have never experienced in our own walk with the Lord where we can honestly, unequivocally say, God spoke to me. And that is why I made this decision or didn't make that decision. When we come to chapter 3, God is preparing to make a divine shift from the time of the judges into the time of the kings. And the first king of Israel is, of course, Saul. And in chapter 7, the people demand that they want to have a king like all the other nations. And just like when Jesus went into the temple and he made a cord of, uh, into a whip and he drove out the money changers who had turned the house of God into a place of corruption. They were ripping people off who were coming to offer sacrifices during special religious days, high days in Jerusalem. If you traveled from a distant place, you would have had to go through a foreign exchange of your currency. And so you would be charged extra in the church. And so what Jesus did, he, he made this strap, which was a whip, and he began to drive out these crooks from the church. And he said, you will not corrupt my father's house. You will not make the house of God that is intended to be a place of prayer a den of thieves. And what God does in the time of chapter 3, the book of Samuel, he forms another type of cord called divine correction through his word. And he pronounces divine judgment on the two sons of Eli, who was the high priest of the nation of Israel. Well, you see, Eli had ordained his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, as co-pastors, as priests over the temple. And when you get a chance, you'll find that these boys were just like the Lord said they were. He said, your, your boys are worthless, and they do not know me. And so you've got pastors who aren't saved leading the church. I'm not going to go into all the details of what they were doing, but if you read, you think that you were reading a soap opera. These boys were something else. But behind the scenes, God was raising up. He was preparing to remove and to replace Hophni and Phinehas by training a young teenager whose name was Samuel. He was driving out of the temple those who had corrupted the place that should have been designated for prayer. I want you to know that when leadership strays from the word of God, their disobedience will cause the voice of God to become silent. God will not be on speaking terms with the congregation when the leader is not hearing from him. Now, what I mean by that is that the, the priest, they never stop preaching and teaching in the temple. They simply stop hearing from the one who was who they were teaching about. The Bible actually says in verse 3, verse 1 of chapter 3, that in those days, 
the word of God was rare and there was not much revelation. And so at that time, because of disobedience, and I'm jumping ahead of myself, God was not speaking to his people because of the leader's sin. It's a dangerous thing to cause God to put you on mute. It's a dangerous thing for a pastor not to hear from the Lord, to feed the sheep. He doesn't know how to nurse the sheep if God is not speaking to him. Often when the pastor has strayed, he's going to start preaching about, ain't he all right? Ain't God good? All the time God is good. And so a shepherd never wants to be in a place where he's not hearing from the Lord. And so as we delve into the passage in terms of how we can learn from the example of Samuel about learning to hear the voice of God because God spoke three times and he didn't recognize the voice of God. God may be speaking to you even, and he should be, as we're going through this passage. But we want to learn how, as we're making decisions throughout our lives on a daily basis, how do I recognize, out of all of the sounds on the Internet and on the news, the people I'm talking to on the phone and the text messaging and the emails, where is God's voice in all of this? The first thing I want to say to you about learning to discern or recognize the voice of God for yourself is that God is still speaking. Somebody say amen. God is still speaking. God speaks through what is called natural and special revelation. Natural revelation has to do with creation. It has to do with, uh, uh, Romans chapter 1 says, that we have an inner witness. We have a divine consciousness, which is the image of God, that tells us that there's someone or something greater than us. I like the way the psalmist put it in verses 1 through 6, and, and I'm not going to read all the verses in, in Psalm 19, talking about how God speaks through natural revelation or nature. He says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech or words, nor sound is heard from them. Yet their voices go out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. The, the, the creation of God is declaring that he exists. The voice of God can be heard even though the trees don't speak, but their presence in their design, in their beauty, in the consistency tells us that God is real. God also speaks through special revelation, that is, primarily through the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 says, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is theonumatos. It is God breathed from the spirit of God, from the very breath of God. Every word recorded in the 66 books of the Bible are from the very voice or the mouth of God. 
and therefore they are inspired, they are profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness that the man and the woman of God may be adequately trained, prepared for all good works. And so special revelation means that the, that the Bible is inspired because it comes from the very mouth, the mouth of God. He speaks to us through the Logos and the Rhema word. Logos word, uh, I, I, the Rhema word has to do with, in, that it can, it's a preceding word, it's a preceding word, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, but it can include uh, circumstances. People, it can include dreams and visions. Uh, it can include words of knowledge where God reveals secret things about you to other people, and they don't even know that God was telling them to telling them what they He told them to tell you. They may not even know you. A rhema word. Somebody will come. I just want to say that this is. I just feel led to say this to you, and you'll say, "This is exactly what I've been praying about." This is exactly the answer that I've been looking for. Oh, were you, were you there last night? No, I wasn't there, but this is what the Lord put on my heart to say to you. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. In each one of the examples that I gave about vision and dreams and signs and wonders, when it comes from God, it will always agree, it will always line up with Scripture, what, what God has already said. If it, if it contradicts what God has already said, guess what? He didn't say it. It must agree with what God has already said in his written word. The Logos word is that aspect of the word of God that is instructional, informational, educational, doctrinal, factual, expositional. It makes us aware of God's truth. It is objective truth. It's like this. If you were going to Macy's today, that's one of my favorite spots. And you were looking for something to wear. The first thing that most of us would do is look for our size. Well, the Logos word is not tailored for you. It is not custom made for you. It is the one size fits all. It's the truth of God for all time. But it's not a preceding word. It's not a practical word. It's not specifically intended for you. The Logos word is not as much informational as it is as applicational. It is, Jesus put it this way. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth, a rhema word, a word for what you are going through right now, or God is preparing you to go through. It's an applicational word. When the, when the devil was tempting Jesus to turn stones into bread, he said he, he responded to that particular temptation with an, a rhema word. Man shall not live. The word applied to that specific situation. And so the rhema word is custom made. It's your side. In other words, you can come to church and everybody hears the Logos word, but you're going to leave with a rhema word. <laughs> you, you can talk to 10 different people and say, and, and yeah, pastor talked about it. And you say, well, wait a minute. We were in the same place. You, you may have the, you have the general idea, but how God intends for you to walk that out in your practical life it's going to result from the rhema word. What we're going to learn today is that in 1 Samuel chapter 3, what had ceased in the nation of Israel because of the sin 
of Hophni and Phinehas, which were in positions of leadership in the temple, is the rhema word. The word of God was rare. Revelation, the applicational word of God, was infrequently available. And so God's still speaking. He speaks through natural revelation. He speaks through special revelation, either through the Logos word or the rhema word. And the rhema word can be circumstances, people, signs and wonders, visions and dreams. And it's like somebody taps you on the show. This one's for you. You, you, you've read your Bible, and you've read the same scripture a hundred times, and then one day you read it. Oh, God! The thing just leaps off the page, and it grabs your heart. That's your rhema word. When we go to the scriptures and we're studying the Logos word, we're actually asking God, give me a rhema word. Give me something from what I'm reading from the Logos word that will help me to apply your word in my, in my daily experience today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God's voice can be silent. You say, but you know, you know how this is. You can have good friends, and you get, in, you get into a, 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 an issue with them. You do a thing called blocking them. <laughs> Nobody in here ever blocked anybody. I'm, I'm glad you don't do that, and hope you never have to do that. But God's word can be blocked. Listen to what the scripture says again. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And as I told you, they didn't stop preaching. They just stopped, being, stopped hearing from the word, from the person that they were preaching about. They're like the church of Laodicea. The Lord said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You guys are having great church. You're worshiping and hot fire and talking about how you love Jesus. I'm not even in the service. But if any man, let me in. God's word can be silenced. Here's how you can silence the word of God in your life. Much like the word was silent during the time of Samuel when he was unable to recognize when God was speaking to him. If you have a hearing problem, you can silence God's word. What do you mean a hearing problem? Well, the Bible says faith, with, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're not hearing the word, you're not exposing yourself to the word, God's voice is silent in your daily walk. You're not going to be, the Bible talks about this I say, walk in the spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because the flesh and the spirit are contrary one to another. And so how am I going to walk in the spirit? By hiding the, oh, Lord, help me. We got we to gotta hear the word in order to grow in our faith. So you can silence God's voice by not hearing the word. You ought to have a daily time when you open up the scriptures. You don't have to be no hour. You might just take 15 minutes. But you need to be opening up this word because the word of God is what causes you to grow in your dependence and faith on him. Here's another reason or way you can silence the voice of God, a heart problem. Well, my heart's pretty good. I just went to the cardiologist. Mm -mm, I ain't talking about that kind of heart. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, he said, the word of God says, as it is, has been said today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Hardening your heart is a deliberate decision, a, 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 a premeditated decision. God said go right, but I'm going to go left. 
to, to disobey God, to defy God. It's, it's, a, it's a decision that I know better than God, or I don't choose to do what God wants me to do. So the moment that you hear my voice, do not deliberately, premeditatively, knowingly defy me. How about this? God calls the sin of hardening our hearts or defiance, he calls that rebellion. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, he says, the sin of rebellion is like witchcraft. It's demonism. And so you said, well, when, when do I harden my heart? I never told God I harden my heart. You don't have to tell God you've hardened your heart. Your attitude and your actions make it clear that you've hardened your heart, that you've hardened your heart. I had a friend. Whenever the pastor was preaching about marriage, if he ever did a series on marriage, it was six or eight weeks. He wasn't coming to church for eight weeks. If the pastor preached about finances, tithing, he wasn't coming to church. That was an area in his life where he had hardened his heart to the word of God. I used to duke it out. He didn't want his marriage, but I fought, I fought him. It was nothing like, when you have, when you have a real friendship, you're going to be fighting sometimes. Then the Bible said, faithful are the wounds of a, friend, or of a friend. The only thing that turned his heart around, God put him on his bed of affliction, put him on his deathbed. And while there, he decided, Lord, I'm going to surrender. I'm, I'm going to stay in this marriage until you say something else. Where have you hardened your heart? What area in your life have you turned a deaf ear to God? Well, I would never do that. Well, where are you so comfortable spiritually that, that you feel that you don't need to grow? Do you still have a fire in your heart, a passion for God? Are you coming under regular conviction by the Spirit of God when you do wrong? Do you find yourself in a, in a spirit of confession? With, the Bible says if you confess your sin, if you agree with God about wrong, he said, I am faithful to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you. I know Christians who aren't repenting of anything. Oh, we say it in our prayers, and if I ever do, yes, you did something wrong. We need to start calling our sin what God calls it. That's how you stay tender towards God. We've got too many self-righteous Christians, religious Christians, who don't have an intimate relationship with God. They say all the right things, but their heart is hardened towards God. How do you know? In areas where God has been trying to move you, you've been like that song. I shall not be moved. You haven't been moved. You hardened. You picked a fight with God. And so you can silence the voice of God by the, with a heart problem. You've hardened your heart. You can silence the heart. You can silence the voice of God with a head problem. You're really a head problem. The Bible says our thoughts are not his thoughts. Neither are our ways his ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. And I hear Paul saying in Romans, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by what? The re we need our minds renewed. 
if you aren't having your mind renewed and refreshed and transformed by the word of God, you got a head problem. You're a head case. Got a lot of Christians with head case. You talking about the Lord and then they butt in, but I know my church. Your church, the church of Beelzebub, that's what it sounds like. That's not what my pastor, I don't care what your pastor said. Show it to me in the word. Here's another thing that can, can, can silence the voice of God. Not just a head problem, a heart problem. We can silence the voice of God with a hunger issue. Peter said, as newborn babes crave the sincere milk of the word, you ought to long for God's word. You ought to have a burning desire. Some of us don't have a hunger for the word. We can go weeks and months. Can you imagine going weeks and months without eating physical food? We do that with the Lord. So hunger, the lack of hunger for the word. Here's another cause of uh, silencing the word of God. A human problem called sin nature. The Bible said, but the natural man, the unsaved man, receiveth not the things from God, neither can they know them, for what comes from God's word is foolish, is moronic to them, because they are without the spirit of God. And so we are born with this human problem called sin, and that will silence the voice of God if we give in. This is another. I'm going to finish with this. This is another thing. This is not the only thing that can silence the voice of God, but a hearty problem can silence the voice of God. There's some arrogant Christians. It's not a subject they're not an expert on, and they're talking, God help us. We don't trust science. We don't trust facts. We don't trust the scriptures. We trust the next Google tic-tac person. And so, well, what are their qualifications? Well, they got a large following. The Bible says, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, but narrow is the way that leadeth to the path of righteousness. God says there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end of that way is the way of death. In this, in this era of Zoom meetings, we know, we've seen this, somebody's on, on the Zoom call, and they just go waxing eloquently, they're reading the scriptures, and, and you don't hear a word they say. And the reason you don't hear what they're saying is because they, they don't know that they haven't unmuted themselves. And then finally you say, well, you, sister, brother, you need to unmute yourself. Well, what happens when we have a head problem, a heart problem, and a hunger problem? What God does, he mutes his voice to us. He's still speaking. He's still blessing. He's still giving a preceding word. He's still directing to those who acknowledge him in all their ways. But to you, the voice of God is muted. Now, God's voice can be heard wherever his word is. Oh, I love this. When you get a chance in verses 2 through 4, the Bible says that the light of the temple was going dim like the eyes of the prophet Elijah. He could barely see Eli. He could, uh, the high priest could barely see. And then it said that Samuel was sleeping in the temple near the ark of God. Now, when you get a chance to do a study, uh, the ark of God was the, was the container that, that held the tablets of stone where the word of God was recorded, the written word. And so where Samuel slept, he slept where the word, in the place where the word was. 
He stayed near the word. And so what we discover is God's voice can be heard wherever his word is. Wherever his word is. On your cell phone. <laughs> on your TV. We used to say, hey, where's your Bible? Ah, don't, if you don't bring your Bible, just make sure you got your cell phone and you're following in the scripture. The reason why we want to follow in the scripture is so as a, as a Berean Christian, the Bible says in, in Acts chapter 16, they studied, they listened to Paul, but after he got finished teaching, they went home and looked in their own Bible to see if what Paul said was so. Now watch this. The voice of God can be heard wherever his word is. You know what that means? Whenever you open the Bible and you read what's in the Bible, guess who's speaking? God is speaking through his word. The same word where he spoke into existence something from nothing. God said, let it be, and it was. And so wherever, wherever God's word is, he will speak. This word, when you, when you read it, God is speaking. That's why we say stand up in honor to the word of God. Because when you're hearing the word from the Bible, God is speaking. God's voice can be heard wherever the word is. Samuel stayed around the ark where the covenant of God was. He stayed near the word. You ought to always have the word near you. Sometimes, well, you don't get a chance to get my... Well, David said, that word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Oh, I, I wish I had some time. When I was in college, one of the things that I stayed nervous about, I, I always was afraid that they were going to discover I wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> I was from the hood. <laughs> I started college, I was reading on, on, I was in the sixth grade reading on the first grade level. I was struggling. That's a whole different sharing time of how that happened. But when I did get to college, I had a hunger to learn. One of the things that I would do, I would be one of the first people in every class I was assigned to. And then I would find the closest seat to the teacher. And I would literally, I, I guess the teacher said, I, I, I act like I was trying to catch every word. I literally was. I didn't want to miss a thing. I wanted to hear everything that I could learn from somebody who had what I needed. I want you to understand, when you have a hunger and a thirst for the word, I'm sorry, you can sit in the back, that's fine. But I, I, for, as for me in my house, when I would go to church until I became a pastor, and as soon as you sit on the front row, oh, he's a preacher, come I don't want to be in the pulpit. I want to be fed, that's why I came. But I want to be as close to the fire. I don't want to miss a single thing. I, I, I'm telling you, I don't want to be distracted. I don't want anything to keep me from hearing all that God has for me. He was in the place where the word of God was. And wherever the word of God is, God can speak. God can speak. Now, how does God's voice sound? And again, the Lord calls Samuel, verses 6 through 8. And Samuel got up three times. He did not recognize the voice of God. Why didn't he recognize the voice of God? Said he would, at that time, Samuel did not know the Lord, nor was he familiar with his revelation. If you notice in the, in the English text, there's a colon next to the, the, the phrase, he did not know the Lord. doesn't mean that Samuel was unsaved. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26 says that Samuel grew in stature and in favor with the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. What he didn't have is a familiarity with the voice of God. 
And so the colon means that the explanation of what it means when he says he, was, he did not know the Lord, the next, verse, the next part of that verse says he was not familiar with the revelation or the voice of how God spoke. So that's what that, so he, he knew the Lord, but he didn't recognize the voice of God. He was raised in the church, raised in the temple, knew how to do religious things, but he didn't know how to hear from God. I always say to people, what is God saying to you? And people often will look at me like I got five heads. What did God say to me? You're the pastor. (laughs) Yeah, but you saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you just like he lives in me. You can learn to discern the voice of God. Let me run through this. God's voice can sound like someone you know. Every time the Lord called Samuel, he thought it was Elijah, Eli. He went to Eli. Did you call me, Master? Did you call me, Master? And it wasn't Eli. But, so that's why it's important that you associate with the right people. The Bible said, come out from among them. Be ye separate to the Lord. Because the voice of God can sound like somebody you know, just like in the garden when Satan used the word of God, but he misquoted scripture. And so the voice of God can sound like somebody you know. The voice of God can also sound like a whisper, a whisper. Remember Isaiah, I, in, in, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, in the Bible said, the Lord told Elijah the prophet to go out to the side of the mountain. And while he stood there, there was a great, there was a great, there was lightning flashing through the sky. A fire hit, hit, hit around the mountain. Then there was an earthquake and then there was a great wind. And, and he was looking for the Lord in the wind and the, and the lightning and the earthquake. And the voice of the Lord wasn't in any of those things. But he said, then I heard a quiet whisper. What I've learned from my walk with God, God ain't yelling. We want somewhere to go to church to get a feeling. God, praise God, God gave. I, I want to get a feeling, but I want to hear God's voice. And most often God is whispering, and he's waiting until the crowd is gone. Most people that God calls, he doesn't call people out of a crowd. He calls you when you are alone. Moses was on the, on, on, walking on the, 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 as, as a shepherd on the back roads of Jeff, where Jephro lived. And, and, and the Lord called him out of the burning bush. And just go right through the scripture. Isaiah was in a vision, and, and the, Lord, the Lord called him. He calls you privately, and he often whispers. And the reason we can't hear him is because we got all these other sounds. We don't know the moment. We don't know the meaning of sitting somewhere in silence. We've always got something going on. The radio, the TV, the computer, we got music. When's the last time you sat in quietness before the Lord? Now, sometimes the Lord will yell at us. I remember when the Lord told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, and he was about to drive the knife through him. And the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham. Do not kill your son. Most often, God doesn't have to yell. If we simply listen, you'll hear him in a whisper. Let me run on. Not only does God whisper, God's voice can, be, can sound like a child's voice. It says, you have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you, Psalm 8, 2. A baby can tell you about God. Amen. God's voice can sound totally distinct from every other voice in the crowd. I like uh, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way that you should go, whether to the right or to the left. You can be in a crowded room, and the Holy Spirit will say, don't go there. Don't, don't, Don't say that. 
and you know distinctly, and because the music is going, people are talking, chaos is breaking out, but God's voice is distinctive. It's kind of like a, the fathers understand this. The little infant is screaming his head, ah, ah, you know, little baby shaking his head back and, you know, rocking it back. And, and you trying to calm, you done fed the thing, I mean, you fed the baby and you put a diaper on it, you know, and you done rocked it and walked it and sung to it and, and, and you know, all that you, you about to, you about to, to give it a steak and whatever you got to do. And the baby just won't get quiet. The mom walks in and says, okay, little baby. Just hearing the mother's voice, all of a sudden the baby stopped crying. She takes the baby into her arms. And that little rat, that little cute baby, it's just get crying. Ain't no rocking the head back. Well, what's the difference? The baby has grown to, to recognize her mother's voice through nine months of in, intimacy in her womb. A baby recognizes her mother's heartbeat. A mother's breast will start uh, producing milk when, when the baby is hungry. That's the kind of connection there. And so what happens is when we have, when we have been uh, close enough to the Lord, we'll find ourselves having that kind of recognition of the voice of the Lord, just like a baby can recognize its mother's voice. The voice of the Lord can sound like a, like a familiar like a like uh, the voice of, the sound of God's voice sounds familiar to those who have been ex, whose senses have been exercised in the Word of God that we're now able to discern good from evil. When you spend time in the Word and applying Hebrews chapter five talks about that, you get to a place where you are so sensitive to you, you know. It, sometimes it's an A plus plus versus an A minus, and God will show you this is the A plus. Your senses have been exercised. You develop a spiritual discipline that enables you to know that God is giving clear direction. God's voice can sound like a song and, uh, that the Lord talked about singing songs, etc. We're going to run on. But let me, let me run on. Now, how should we respond? Anybody want to know how should we respond when the voice of God, when we finally hear the words? Now, in verses 11 through 21, the end of the chapter, here are four things that should happen when you hear the word of God, when you hear the voice of God. However, primarily through special revelation, through the scriptures, whenever you read the Bible, but he can also speak through a rain of words, circumstances, people, signs and wonders, dreams and, and visions. Uh, here's how you should respond. You should, respond. you should humble yourself to receive. When, Saul, when Samuel heard, finally recognized the voice of God, he says, your servant listens. He said, and the Lord came to him and he called. And he said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant listens. You need to humble yourself. Lord, whatever you want to say. Whatever, I know how I'm feeling right now. I, I know I'm about to jump out of my, I want to I do this, I want to do that, but I'm going to, I'm going to, your servant is here to listen. Jesus said, why you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Humble yourself. What area in your life that the, the, the Lord wants to change so you'll be more like Jesus? You haven't humbled yourself. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. He said, I give grace to the humble, but I, I resist the proud. Hide the word of God in your heart that you will avoid sin. In verses 11 through 14, the Lord tells Samuel what he'd already told Eli. He said, I put a contract on your boy's life. They're going to die in the same day. And when you learn the story in, in chapter 4, Ichabod pronounces Ichabod upon, upon the temple. Not only did he, Hophni and Phinehas die in the same day, as God predicted, so did Eli. He fell. He was so shocked that his sons died, he fell off a chair and broke his neck. 
Now, I wonder, why did God tell Samuel what he'd already told Eli, but he didn't tell Samuel to tell Eli? Because Samuel was getting ready to replace Hophni and Phinehas. And what God was saying, what happened to them could happen to you. So hide the word of God in your heart so that you will avoid the same sin that others have been disciplined for. Verses 11 through 14. Here's another thing. Handle God's word with fear and trembling. The Bible says when, 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 when Samuel got up the next day, Eli said, tell me everything that God told you. And the scripture says that Samuel was afraid. But, he said, he, but the Bible said he held nothing back. He told Eli everything that God had to say. And so we need to tell people the truth. But the Bible says, uh, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer to every man with, who asks him for reason of the hope that's within you. How? With fear and in trembling. He was afraid, but he told him. Handle God's word with care. Handle God's word with fear and trembling. Finally, heed to the word. The scripture says, in the latter part, uh, in, in, in verses, uh, the, the ending verses there, verses 20 and 21, the scripture says that God did not allow, allow a word that Samuel preached to fall to the ground. And so he, and why? Why, why was he so successful in his preaching? It, when you heed to the word, it produces results. Heed to the word, obey the word, and you'll see the fruit. You see what happens in the church when people obey the word. They grow. God blesses them. Well, why are they getting so, why are they getting this, and why are they going there, and why are they, because they're obeying the word. Let me finish. So it produces spiritual results when we heed. It also proves that you have been called by God to others. The Bible says that the people knew that Samuel was a prophet. <laughs> So when, when, you, when God, God said, your gifts will make room for you, how do they make room? Because God will give you an opportunity to use them. And when you operate in obedience, not only are you using your gifts, but you're operating in authority and power. And you don't have to say, I'm Reverend, I'm Pastor, I'm Doctor. No, no, no. The people will know. God will prove who you are to the people. God will also provide access to his presence in his preceding words. The Bible says in the last verse, verse 21, it says that God continued to appear to Samuel at Shiloh. And that he continued to give him revelation. When you heed to the word of God, God will provide you a special access to his presence and continue experience with a proceeding, a rhema word. A rhema word. Anybody want a rhema word? Anybody want to continually experience the presence of God? Somebody say amen. amen. Now, I'm about done. Stand up with me. Story in the book of Daniel. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They were told that they had to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar as king, as a god. And everybody except for the three Hebrew boys and Daniel conformed. It was politically correct to say certain things. It was politically correct not to say certain things. You gotta call men who are really men, if they wanna be women, you gotta call them by their chosen, oh no, 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 we're not doing that. And so, 
what happens, and by the way, anything that you say that's recorded, it can be 20 years ago. Somebody wants to destroy you, they're going to pull that up from 20 years ago. I thank God that I'm not subject to the mercy of men. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. And so the king said, oh, they're not going to bow. They're not going to submit to this political pressure. They're not going to be afraid to lose their job. All right, we're going to throw them in a fiery furnace. And I want you to heat it seven times hot. It was so hot that the men who who put the, the wood in the furnace, they actually were consumed by the fire. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego stood before the king. He said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we ain't going to argue with you about this. Let me just explain to you that the God we serve, he has revealed to us that he can deliver us. It ain't a problem as to whether he can. And he can deliver us not only just from your hand, Nebuchadnezzar, but even if he doesn't, God has already spoken about idol worship, and we ain't bowing down. We would rather burn than to bow down. I want you to understand when you discern the voice of God, you will learn how to say no, even if it means persecution, even if it means that people don't like you, even if it means you don't get a boyfriend, even if it means you don't get that job, even if it means you don't get that promotion, because I would rather please God. man. What shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? With every head bowed and all eyes closed, Father, we thank you that you're still speaking. We thank you, God, that wherever your word is,